You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Ross Steele. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I ask you, Father, just to, 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 to be in control, to be in charge. Uh, take the reins, Lord. May we, may, may myself, Lord, may I decrease so that you, will, that you will increase. Use me just as a vessel of honor to bring your word, to deliver your word. Open the hearts, open the ears of your people in the house, in your house this morning, Jesus. I pray, Father, that you are glorified, that you are lifted high through the word, and that, 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 that the, the, the conviction that may come into our hearts, Lord, that we may come lay it down at the altar this morning. It is in your mighty name we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, I'll say one thing. Uh, this, is, this is something that, this is only second week that we've done this, uh, but I tell you what, there's, there's no greater joy to, than being able to, to do ministry with the Lord, uh, but also to be able to do ministry with my wife. Uh, and, and what many people don't know is as a pastor's wife, there, there's all these uh, things that you have to be. But the most important of all that you see behind the scenes is, is the support that goes into it. Every message, every, every, every prayer, every, uh, everything that we have to deal with as pastors is, is my wife's there by my side encouraging me, uh, lifting, lifting me up in prayer. And uh, I wouldn't want to do this with anybody else, baby. You love my life. Amen. Uh, what, what we heard here in chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, is Nathan comes and he rebukes David uh, for his actions that we, that we, um, that we heard last week. Uh, the title of my message today is Profitable Conviction. It is a play on words because Nathan is a prophet. And, uh, and the correction that comes is going to be and is very profitable for David. Um, I want to bring us into where we were last week. Last week we heard uh, from David, Bathsheba, he slept with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, uh, tries to get Uriah to sleep with his own wife. Why does he need convincing? I don't know. But uh, he, he goes, doesn't happen, so he goes, sends him to the front lines, gets him, gets him uh, Joab, get, puts him at the front of the line, gets him killed, uh, and then he takes on uh, Bathsheba as his wife, bears him a son, all that, all that uh, I would say good stuff. That's not good stuff. All of that drama that happened last week, um, and then now here we are, but the last verse that we saw last week was 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 27 is at the end of it, but the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. This goes to show that everything up to that point, we'd already seen that, that God was only mentioned one time in all of chapter 11, and it was right here at the end, that after everything he had done, it was evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and when, where there is no mention of God, sin run, runs rampant. I mentioned that last week, and uh, we've seen that in our culture today. But what, what also have we seen from the last week as we come in is that David attempted to bury his sin, but God, right here in this moment, he exposes his sin. This is what we're kind of seeing in chapter 12, the first part of chapter 12, 12 at least, is that God is exposing his sin, although as David has tried to bury his sin. He took the easy way out. He said, oh, I'm just going to take your eyes, wife. I'm going to marry her. And then people are going to know that we, you know, have sex because she's my wife and then she's going to be pregnant. Nobody's going to ask the question. Well, that doesn't happen. The Lord sends Nathan as a prophet to, uh, once again, to David in this case, is uh, to give him a, an open rebuke, um, one that is of correction and one from the, a word from the Lord that is uh, conviction. Who is Nathan? Nathan is a prophet. 
We've seen, uh, we've seen Nathan all the way back, uh, I say all the way, all the way back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, he first comes to, to, to give him a promise, but here we see Nathan again that comes to deliver a judgment. Uh, Nathan, Nathan came in, in chapter 7 to promise David what the Lord's going to do through his household. I was going to establish his household, and, and, uh, but, but now we're, we're back in it. Nathan kind of goes out of the picture a little bit. He comes back just five chapters later. Uh, there's uh, years in, in this time frame, and in this time, he comes with the judgment because he realizes the Lord spoke to Nathan. Nathan says, I'm going to go. He says, I want you to go tell my servant David uh, of this word that I have for you. Nathan delivers it, which is simply just a judgment. We're all going to face judgment. Although when we're in uh, culture today, when we're in this world that we're living in, uh, we see time and time again, anytime we as believers give a judgment uh, that we are, the, the common phrase that comes up is, you know, Matthew, you know, don't judge. You're not supposed to judge. Christians shouldn't judge, yada, yada, yada. Well, uh, disagree with that completely. Uh, um, we, we are to judge other believers. Um, for people who are living in sin, living a life of sin, who've never called on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, uh, we're not there to judge or condemn. But if you proclaim to be a believer, it is our job as a believer, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to hold one another accountable. It's not something to just, to just, you know, just let it go because I don't want to offend somebody uh, in their judgment. No, if you say, hey, I'm a Christian and you're doing something completely not Christ-like, I'm calling you out on it. And, and we all should be doing that. It's, it's not for fear of, of man, but for fear of God that we should go into and hold one another accountable. But why did he do this? Nathan, he has a better perspective that would help, David, uh, that would help set David straight. Nathan's perspective is that of the Lord. Like, he, he, he has a word from God, and there is no greater perspective than, than, the word, uh, than a word from the Lord, all right? So, so Nathan's perspective is far greater than what David could, could ever imagine. And he comes to him, basically, the whole first part of, of chapter 12, right there, the beginning of, of um, verses 1 through 14, it's a parable, essentially, that we see. It's a parable, he's, he, and, and, and then David's like, oh, that man, he's terrible. And then Nathan's just like, well, that's you. And it kind of like wakes David up a little bit to his sin, uh, gives him a little correction, and he's like, oh. So then he comes into repentance, and we'll, we'll get to that. But I want to go back to, uh, I want to go forward, I guess, in the book is, is to Matthew eighteen fifteen, where uh, in Matthew eighteen fifteen it says, um, slacking here. Uh, hey, Alex, there, oop, there we go. Thanks, brother. Hey, Alex, you're awesome, man. I love you. Alex is our, Alex is our, uh, our go-to slides guy. Whenever I'm glitching up here, he saves the day. So uh, Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. What can we get from this? It's what I was just saying. If a brother or sister in Christ is sinning, it's, it says to go in private. Well, well, we are told, hey, you can go in private. Um, and then there's also more, more scripture uh, where it says, and if they don't listen, then you, then you take two or more with you. And uh, that's because where two or more are gathered, every word may be established. Well, then if that brother or sister doesn't listen, then you go before the church, basically. That's like, I mean, in simple terms, that's like me coming up here saying, hey, look, um, you know, Quentin, he did this, but I went, sorry, not put it on the spot. He didn't do 
anything. Quentin's an awesome. But it's like me going before him and saying, hey, you got this sin. And he, he didn't listen. And then I took two, two other guys with me and said, hey, you have this sin. And took two more. And then I just said, say, come up here on a Sunday. I said, all right, guys, listen up. Quentin has this really big sin that he's not listening to. So I'm just going to put, I'm, I would not do that, I promise you. Uh, Quentin is awesome. But what this is saying here in Matthew 18 is that, uh, when we are walking in sin, we need people in our life, and we need to be that person to others to, to call that sin out and say, hey, this, this, isn't, this isn't Christ-like. You shouldn't, if you proclaim uh, to, to place your faith in Jesus, you need to, to live according to his word, and this is not in line with his word at all. You do it in private, and if, if he listens, then you have won your brother. You haven't won your brother just for, just for your own sake, for your own benefit, but you've won for the benefit of the kingdom. I mean, there, there's much more uh, power in that. And what we get to from this is that we have a responsibility to one another. We, 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 have to, we have to receive the fact and understand the fact that we, we have that responsibility for, for one another. If, if, a, if a close friend or a loved one is about to walk on a railroad track and a train's coming and they're just, they just want to walk and balance on, balance, everybody's probably done it, you balance on the, the rail there and a train's coming, are you just going to let them just get smacked and die? Because essentially, if you're letting a loved one or a brother or sister in Christ, get, I mean, continue sinning, that's what's happening. It's not a physical death, it's an eternal death. And we need to recognize that it is our responsibility to hold one another accountable to say, hey, I see this in you, and I've seen this sin come about, and I just want to bring it up to you, ask you about it. And it doesn't have to be, it's not to be super condemning, y'all. It is, it is, it is, to, it is, it is, a, it is a profitable conviction, hence the, the title of the message today. It's a profitable conviction, it's a profitable correction in our lives. We all need it. There's nobody in this room that doesn't need somebody like that in their life. I promise you that. You're, you're not alone. Um, uh, and you're probably, if you're new here, you're like, man, this guy is a drag. He is, he's just really coming in on us. I promise you guys, we have fun. It is, a, it is the, the greatest joy to be able to serve the Lord. And we choose joy up in this house all the time. But, but we also are bold church. We talk about the hard things. We talk about sin because if we don't talk about sin, then somebody else is filling the air with something else that's just evil. And, and we, we can't allow that as a church. We cannot allow that. So the, I have two questions for you. One being, who are your Nathans? Who are the ones in your life that you have set in place to hold you accountable when you need it most? And the second question is, are you being a Nathan to someone else? Is there anybody in your life that, that maybe you, you, you feel that you have a responsibility over to, to be able to speak into, to, to, to speak life and to speak correction? It's not, this isn't a role just to, just to speak correction every time, like all the time. It's also a role to be able to, to give encouragement when needed. Because Nathan first delivered a promise, but then a judgment. He, he's, he does both to David. He's already done both to David. And we are to do both as well. We are to give encouragement, exhort one another, but also when the correction is needed, we must deliver that correction. I know for, uh, for, for Kelsey and I in our marriage, one thing that I've said, and we've, we're walking through um, premarital counseling with a couple. They get married next weekend. And, um, 
And I've told them this, that I, I heard it in a podcast, but it's, it's the mirror concept. And basically, in, similar to this, is, is like Nathan, or, or Kelsey is my Nathan in a way. She's my mirror. Anything that she says that I'm doing, even though I feel like I'm, I may not be doing it, she's like, hey, that comment was really, kind of rude. Like, you're being really rude. And I'm like, what? No, I'm not. Like, I'm just talking. And, but at first, I, w- I was defensive. But then now it's gotten to a point where it's like any time that she brings a correction to me as my mirror, because she, she sees it, I'm on, I'm on the inside perspective. She's the outside perspective. She sees it. So anytime that correction comes, I just, okay, you're right. And I apologize, and I go from there, and I repent of my sin. Because all the, a lot of times we're blinded. We are blinded by our own sins, by our own actions. And that takes us to our blindness. Our blindness is, is one of the things that we're going to talk about today. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 5. says, Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. This is what uh, David's response was to the, to the parable that Nathan delivered. He said, he, he's, he's so angry about this. And, he, and, and he's, saying, he's saying that the man should die. He deserves to die. But, but little does he know that Nathan's response to this is, this man is you. In this situation, this is you. And now you can see the bigger picture because I put it in a different perspective. But it's you. And we have to be able to recognize that we are often blinded by our sin to the seriousness of our sin. And um, I don't, I'm glitching up here. Alex, can you help me out here, brother? Okay. We're often blinded by our sin to the seriousness of our sin. And we see that, um, that, that, that God uses his word. He uses it read and preached to convict us of sin. And what that means is that we can, we can go right into the word of God. Uh, but we can also listen to sermons. We can listen to, to, to those around us, whatever it may be, uh, to, to be able to convict us of our sin. Oftentimes, it's not, at least in my case, it's not often when I'm listening to something, uh, you know, where I'm convicted. It's, uh, it's where somebody will speak directly to me. And, and I'm like, oh, oh, I've been doing that. That's, yeah, that's, like, we all, some of you may fall on the line of, like, hey, you, you, you can hear the voice of the Lord better if you're reading or better if it's preaching. I need somebody to speak, like, directly, like, in a conversation. I'm like, oh, I've been doing that. Like, yeah, that's, I'm guilty of that. And, and then go and, and, and repent. And sometimes it, it takes hearing his word from the mouth of a brother or a sister. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So it is, as I said, it's our responsibility, but sometimes that's just what it takes. It takes us to be able to speak. And sometimes, y'all, we're not all, we all have different personalities, okay? I, I get it, 100%. We're all different personalities. Some are more direct than others. I happen to fall on the more direct side, and, and I, I have no problem being able to say, hey, you know, this is, but if you are that person who's on the more direct side, when somebody comes to you, as more direct, you better have humility. You better learn humility to humble yourself before the Lord and receive that just as much as you would want that other person to, to receive it. Because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is help one another. Trying to help one another be, be more like Jesus. Um, and, and, and we need more 
people, we need people to get in our face about the sin that we try to hide. We need that in our lives. We, I, I say we're a bold church. I say that I much rather would have a message that kicks me in the teeth than a message that coddles me and tells me everything's going to be okay. I need that in my life. Some of you may fall on the other side. You may want a message that, that may coddle you a little bit and not kicks you in the teeth. I personally, I need and like the direct approach. I don't like beating around the bush, and uh, the Lord knows that, and he does not beat around the bush towards me. He, he slaps me in the face if I need it. Uh, he, he, I, I've, he knows how to communicate to each of us individually. And he will do that as you need it. But we have to be able to, to seek his will, to seek his voice, to seek the Father every single day in our lives. We come before the Lord, we humble ourselves, and, and just allow his will to take, take over. Allow the Holy Spirit to take over and to be in charge. The second thing we come to is God's word. And God's word is, is immutable. It's, it's, it's unchanging. It, it, is, it is written by man, but it is inspired by God. It is, it is by the Holy Spirit that it is written. And his word is the, 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 the utmost authority. His word is the authority over our lives. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7, it says, Nathan then said to David, You are the man, thus says the Lord God of Israel. It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. This is, this is God saying, Hey, you are this man. It was me. You didn't do any of this. It was me who gave you these blessings. It was me who... who, who uh, who lifted you and, and exalted you and, and, and took you to higher places. It was me. It wasn't, it wasn't by anything that you had done, except for the one thing that David had done that we saw consistently is that he, he always inquired of the Lord, except for the times he didn't, and then that's where the sin would come about. When he chooses not to inquire of the Lord, that's where he goes and he falls. We must be sure, we must be sure the message we bring is the word of God. We have to. We have to. If we feel like we have a word of the Lord, a, a correction that needs to, to be given to, to somebody, a loved one or, or a friend uh, that, that, that calls a brother or sister in Christ, we have to check with ourselves, say, is this align, does this align with the word of the Lord? Because if it doesn't, I, it's, I don't, that's not from the Lord. If it doesn't align with his word, it's not from the Lord, and you should not give that word. It, it, it has to be, uh, has to be taken into judgment before you deliver it to the word of the Lord. I know there's uh, been several times actually where, um, where Phil actually he, he I'll go to him and and I'll I'll say something and I'll say hey I, I you know this has been going on uh, and I just you know just could you be praying over this and and he'll generally his response is. He says, you know what? He said, the Lord put this person on my heart, and I didn't know why. And, you know, I had this word for him, and I wanted to, uh, in one instance specifically, uh, it was a prayer request from, from my dad. And, and he said, uh, he said I had a, the Lord kind of told me to write a letter to him, and I wasn't sure what about or what it was about or anything. He's like, but I wasn't going to ask. I was just kind of waiting for the Lord to just, just confirm it somehow. And he's like, and here you are. You're confirm, confirming it for me. So in that instance, it's, it's hey. I got the word, now what do we do with it? We wait. We, we bathe it in scripture. We, we allow his, uh, we, we take it to, to the word, we take the judgment, and allow the confirmation to come. And then when the confirmation comes, when the, door, when the Lord opens the door, it's our job and our responsibility to walk through it. The call 
of the prophet is always preceded by the word of the Lord. It's always preceded. What's that saying? That, what, what does that mean? That means, that, that means when, when, when the prophet comes with the word, that the word of God has, has to come first. It's not the prophet comes and then the word of God comes. It's the word of God comes and it's established and then the prophet will come. The, the, the call of the prophet is always preceded by the word of the Lord. And we need three, we, we need some things. We need people in our lives and we must surround ourselves with people who have these attributes. One being love the word of God. We need people in our lives and surround ourselves with people in our lives who love the word of God. What, how do you know if you love the Word of God? When you're hungry, when you wake up or any part of your day, you're like, man, I cannot wait to get into the Word. I cannot wait to, to read. I cannot wait to learn what He has for me today. Guys, I've read through the Bible. This isn't me bragging at all. I've read through the Bible entirely three times. And, and twice I kind of listened to it, so it doesn't really count. I wasn't really paying attention. I'll be honest. But... The, the, uh, this most recent time, as I've read it, I've been taking a lot slower. I've been underlining, highlighting, taking notes. Every time, I learn something new. I've read Ephesians like six times, and I'm like, oh, I didn't see this the first time. I didn't see this. It's, he reveals himself in different ways, in different seasons of our lives. We must fall in love with the Word of God. Because not only do we need to surround ourselves with people who love the Word of God, we need to be that person who is surrounding others, and we must love the Word of God. We also need to surround ourselves with people who are feeding off the Word of God. Who are feeding off the Word of God. What's that mean? Meaning that they're hungry. Just as you're saying, like, you're hungry, you're eager. You know, uh, learning, when you, when you get into the Word, you are receiving His Word, and, and He will move through you, He will walk to you, He will reveal Himself to you in many different ways, and your lives will be transformed. Your lives will be transformed through it. We also need, and that takes us to, the, to, to our next point, is that we need to surround our pe- ourselves with people who are being transformed by the Word of God. There's a lot of power in the Word of God. I've said word of God a lot in this, I already know, but, and, I, and I knew I was going to, but that's not to say that like, we can just, you know, just put it on the back burner like, oh, he said it again, he said it again. No, that's the importance of the word of the Lord. We have to have it on the priority. It has to be the number one book on our shelf. It has to be the first book we pull off our shelves in a day. You know, some of us may be readers here, and, and, and some of us may not be, but we must fall in love with the word of God. We must be, allow ourselves to be and feed off the Word of God and be transformed by the Word of God. And the last thing we see here is God's forgiveness. We see in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has always, or also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. What we see here is David's eyes were open. He saw, Nathan said, this is, this is you. Like, this, this is you. And David, now he feels remorse. He feels empathy. He feels conviction because his, his brother in Christ came, delivered the correction that was needed for him. And he says, I have sinned against the Lord, and, and, he, and, he, and he repents of his sin. And the Lord, he, it's established, and he says that uh, the Lord has also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. It's not a physical death he's talking about here. It's an eternal death. It's an eternal. He said, you're going to join the Lord in heaven upon your physical death. But he has taken away your sin. 
the Lord has wiped it clean. We, talk, we, I mean, we sung that song, wash away our sin, like nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is, this is, this is what uh, we see here. This is, I mean, this is Old Testament, but we already knew up to this point that the Messiah to come would come from the line of David. We've already, we've already known that. We've already seen it. We've already discovered it. The, the word of God's correction must be, must be at all times, bathed in the waters of God's forgiveness. Must be. Because if we don't come, if we don't come with God's forgiveness attached to it, then it comes out with just condemnation and it sounds real judgy and, and it's okay to be direct, but you also, you could be direct and say, hey, listen, we get it. It's hard. It's tough. I don't, I may not know exactly what you're walking through, but God has already paid the debt for this. You are not supposed to, you should not sit in the shit, the, the sin and the bondage of this sin. You should not sit in the shame of it. It, it, it is already paid. The debt's been paid, and we, we and right now, in this day and age, we have the most freedom, the most authority against any pretension, against any demonic stronghold, all because of one act, and that was Jesus laying himself down, laying himself down, rising again three days later. And he said, death has no hold on me. And because of death does no hold on him, death has no hold on you. Death has no hold on I. Death has no hold on us. There's nothing that can hold us down because of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our motivation should be seeing one another restored to Jesus. If, if you're going to give correction, to give conviction to somebody, if your motivation is just to be right, that's the wrong motivation. It's the wrong motivation. If your motivation is just to, to put somebody down to make yourself feel better and seem more holy, it's the wrong motivation. Our motivation needs to be seeing one another restored to Jesus. And whenever you bring a word of correction, always bathe the message with the grace of God. You can, you can deliver a message that may be hard to hear with grace and truth, with love and truth. There can be grace involved in it. I know sometimes we deliver it with grace and truth, and, and still some people, you know, uh, don't necessarily receive it with grace, but they have to, they have to themselves receive grace for themselves. They have to receive forgiveness for themselves. The Lord's already given it, but we have to be able to receive it. So oftentimes you may deliver a message to somebody and, and they are just super offended. And, and, and there's not much you can do about offense. That's a bait of Satan, but you can call it out. Say, hey, look, I, I see you're offended by my correction, but I want you to know that this is the bait of Satan and he wants to create a divide. He wants to use this to create a divide in this family and in, in, in your life, between your job, between your family, between your wife, husband, whatever it may be. But we must be able to walk people to the grace of God to, and, and, and walk them through receiving it over themselves as well. It is important in our lives. What do we see about David? David is just a man, but he's a sinful man. Because of the fall of Adam, because of the fall of Eve, because of the fall of man, we all have a sin nature. We all have a sin nature. We learned that in 1 Samuel when we were going through Saul. Saul had a sin nature. We were just as guilty. We have the same sin nature. But what do we do with that? 
When we, when we fall into sin, when we fall to sin, when we choose sin in moments, do we repent? Do we ask for forgiveness? Or do we just carry that? Do we let it, do we put it in our backpack of, of all the other sins we have and we allow it to weigh us down? We shouldn't. You shouldn't even have a bag that has all your sins in it because, because of the cross, it's all been paid for. It's all been paid for. And David's sin points us to David's son. I, I mentioned that I already, I already spoke with, uh, or we already learned that we, we know that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David, but what is David's sin? What, what, what actually, how does it point us to David's son? His son being Jesus Christ, coming from his bloodline, saying you will be established, your family will be established forever. This is Nathan's first promise. He comes with judgment. But because of this act, God still uses David, Bathsheba, the bloodline, to bring the Messiah. You think that they are, you may look at it in a worldly sense, you may look at it like, how are they worthy? How are they worthy? Because of all the sins that they've done, how are they worthy to bring in the Messiah? But that just goes to show us that he can use anybody. He can use any story. He can use any testimony. He can use any, any, any sins that we may have walked in for a time in our life or maybe even still walking in and trying to shake free from it, that, that, that he can still use you, that he sees you, that he wants to use you, but he is free will. Do you want to be used by God? That's the bigger question. Jesus came as king to rule over the heavens and the earth. We've been learning through the book of Samuel is, is prophet, priest, and king. There's people who could be prophet, priest, prophet, king, priest, and king. All the, but no one person can be prophet, priest, and king. The one that is, is Jesus. So he comes as king to rule over all the heavens and the earth. He, he came uh, as a prophet to speak God's correction to us. Even when Jesus was delivering messages, he, he, he would tell people, he'd tell people, he'd meet them with grace, but he'd say, turn from your life of sin. Turn from your life of sin. This is not the way of the Lord. He calls us to turn from our lives of sin. And we can do the same for others. Jesus came as priest to secure God's forgiveness for all of our sins, to bring us back to God. He came to bring us back to God. Because of the fall of man, it created a divide. The solution was Jesus, his one and only son. Die, burial, death, burial, resurrection, and we have freedom. Now we have a relationship with Jesus. Get rid of all the religion. Have a relationship with Jesus. In Proverbs 27, 5, it says, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed? Think about that. You may have a love for somebody in your heart, and you, and, and, and you conceal it, and you're like, oh, nobody's hurt. But when you open, or, when you open your mouth to give rebuke, people can be offended, people can be hurt. Like, how, how is that better than a love that's concealed? But this is the heart of God. God sends Nathan to give correction. There is open rebuke. We must have the same heart. 
We must not shy away and be, be scared of what is to come, of, of who we're going to offend. And we must say, hey, I want you to be more like Christ. And this way, what you're doing does not, does not do that. I want you to be restored to Jesus. See, Jesus, he came to us, and we can go to one another. What do we get from this? We also see that Jesus spoke to us, and we can speak to one another. Jesus gave his word, so we have the word. And Jesus has a heart for us, so we can have a heart for one another. That brings us to where are we today? Honestly, in our, in, our, in our walks, let's be completely transparent, just completely vulnerable, allow ourselves to, to, to open, up, open up if we need it. But I'm going to invite our prayer team down this morning. We're going to go into worship. But I want you to reflect on where are you? Are you being a Nathan? Do you have Nathans in your life? Do you have accountability groups, accountability partners? I can tell you, just, just because you, you may hold a place of leadership within the church, you don't need accountability partners. Even if, even if you're a first-time guest, you need accountability people in your life. You need people to be able to, to call you on your sin, to come and, and love and grace and truth. We have to have that in our lives. Or else we may stray, and we may, we may find ourselves... Too far gone at times. But Jesus came to bring us back to God. So let's stand this morning. We're going to go into this last song, but if that's you today, and maybe you don't have accountability partners in your life, maybe you don't have a Nathan, maybe you, maybe you are not a Nathan to somebody, I ask you to just come forward. Let us pray with you for, for God to provide those people in your life. All of us need them, even, even I do. And, and may, may we just pray and go before the Lord and ask, Father, will you, will you soften my heart for when the correction comes? God, I'm We're encouraged by today's talk. Be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.